Hi, my name is Stuart Anderson, and I'm here with my colleague today. Mandy Jack. And we are part of a, the Team SALT. Uh, we are academic developers at Swansea University who provide support and provoke good learning and teaching practices and experiences. Croeso, welcome to A Pitch of SALT, Swansea University's learning and teaching podcast. If it has anything to do with learning and teaching in higher education, let's make sure everyone knows about it. For today's episode, we are joined by Pete Hanratty, Learning Development Manager from the Centre for Academic Success. So welcome, Pete. Welcome to A Pinch of Salt. Thanks very much. Well, first of all, by way of a little bit of further introduction, let's find out a little bit about how you arrived where you are today in CAS, as it's now called, the the Centre of Academic Success. I first came across you as a Media Studies undergraduate on my television newsroom production module, oh gosh, some 20 years or so back. Later on then, you, I think you popped up as a summer language school tutor, which I presume was with the old version of ELTS. Um, but you next popped up on my radar when I first joined SALT and was tasked with investigating electronic feedback options. Um, and Swansea was only just starting to consider provisioning written f- feedback online at that time when I came back to see you, I guess in about probably 2012 or so. Uh, I'm not sure which unit you were working under at that point, but I believe that was probably pre-cast days. And you'd already been trialing the use of audio feedback for your students then. So already showing an interest in looking to find progressive ways to help students achieve success in their academic work. What was it that drew you into this line of work in in the first place? And how did you end up working with CAS? Well, yeah. what keeps you interested, really, in, in this kind of work? That's, I do remember that. It makes me feel really old now to remember 20 years ago. Uh, you don't seem to have aged quite as badly as I have in those 20 years, Stuart. But uh, yeah, I think in 2012, when we did the audio feedback trial, that was still with when I was working with Alts. And we'd seen it as an opportunity, really, to improve the non-native speakers' listening skills. So often when we were doing written feedback we realised that we are actually just giving them another opportunity to develop their reading uh, comprehension. And we thought that if we could supplement that with an audio track as well, it might give them another way to engage with the language, but also the, their areas for potential improvement. So that was still when I was working with ELTS. And CAS came about as an offshoot of ELTS. There had always been an element of in-sessional language provision for non-native speaking students who were were on degree schemes and I was really keen to put my hand up quite a lot when there were opportunities to cover a class in in those sessions so through putting my hand up quite a lot of times when the opportunity came to to move to the academic support unit which was solely for international students I put my name forward for that and I think because I'd had that experience of delivering and covering, it, it allowed me to, to move across to, to deliver the in-sessional stuff. CAS came about, I think, in about 2013, and it was a response to a few different things, but primarily there was an identified need among native-speaking students for study skills support. Obviously, with that came a massive need to change the content that we delivered in order to meet the different skills that students would have that are not just linguistic 
barriers, but one's to do with the actual skills that they need to develop to succeed at university. So since about 2012, when I started toying around with this audio feedback, my motivations remained the same in that it's really about trying to identify uh, student needs and all student needs and trying to respond to them by providing resources and opportunities for them to address those needs in a in a really comprehensive way. Brilliant. Well, so that sort of uh, tells us a little bit about how CAS came about. Uh, but for those listening, maybe from outside of our campus or even within the institution, but didn't previously know anything about CAS, can you outline exactly what it is that the centre does here now in its present form? Well, yeah, we've, we, I mean, in a nutshell, we deliver study skills support for students across the university and across their student journeys. So from foundation level to PhD level, we offer a series of workshops and courses primarily that any student from any course can attend. Let's say writing, there might be a particular course that we do on academic writing, which any student could sign up to and, and attend. And they've been quite good um, at fostering a sense of community amongst these sort of disparate students from different degree programs and from with different backgrounds. So it's really, I think, helped students to break outside of the, the confines of just their, their module peers or their program peers. So as well as these courses and workshops that we offer, we've been really driving together with the library uh, embedded skills sessions, which are designed to be placed, scaffolded alongside a programme journey. So throughout the three years of, let's say, a typical degree, we could identify this uh, writing session or this session on paraphrasing or a session that we do on public speaking or presentation skills, or critical thinking, would be really well placed in this module on this degree scheme. So we've been working, increasingly working with colleagues from different programmes and modules in placing our support in very specific places in a student journey and trying to map what we can provide at a more timely and appropriate uh, place in that student journey. So we do these general courses, which I outlined before, and then we also do this, this embedded provision, which is much more specific and bespoke and tailored and timely than just the general courses. As well as that, we've recently developed a peer-assisted study skills scheme. So there, we, we're all trained up now, every member of staff, in we're trained to train students to become facilitators for weekly study skills sessions. So really empowering the student leaders that apply for this uh, role to be able to facilitate a, a weekly session where let's say a problematic or difficult module that's been identified by students, past students or present students. There could be a weekly uh, session where, where a group could meet up and they would work through a, a problem or an issue together in a collaborative way. So we oversee that as well. We oversee the training, the observation and the administration of that programme. And that seems to be expanding now uh, throughout the university into a few more degree schemes and we're looking to expand it so that we can have representation of that peer assisted study skills support in every faculty and then hopefully in the programs that really identified as a, a need for that. Um, 
In addition to that, we have work opportunities for students. So we employ some peer writing advisors, which are typically PhD students who conduct appointments with university students who want some support with regards to their writing. So students could book a a half an hour appointment with one of these trained PhD students to go through aspects of their writing, look at the structure, the formality, the style, and whatever it might be. And similar to that, we also offer maths and stats support now, which is something that I have no experience in, but we've got a really good colleague, James, who heads that. He coordinates the maths and stats support, and he line manages a couple of maths student advisors who provide bespoke one-to-one sessions with students with aspects of helping with aspects of statistics and uh, math support so we've gone from delivering sort of linguistic based stuff that my own career has been language focused at first to delivering a really diverse range of skill support creative thinking and learning to learn and understanding rhetoric public speaking and maths and stats support and then all these peer support things so um yeah we're increasing our reach i think every every year we see an opportunity for again it's measured by what the students need and we try to to adapt as well as we can to to meet that need that sounds incredible that's a heck of a lot of work for you and for the students so not only the students that are coming to you for help, but the students that you are getting on board to do that peer mentoring. It's it's really fabulous. Are there sort of awards or is there any sort of recognition for that journey, if you like, or that support that they're doing? Because you, as you said, you employ the students. So I just wondered how that worked for them. Yeah, well, we're looking into, at the moment, actually, incorporating a sales peer mentoring award for our employed for the students who, who get paid uh, for their work. So the peer writing advisors, the maths and stats support advisors, they have the opportunity. I think we're working out the details with sales at the moment, but sales offer, and sales is the academy for inclusive learner support. They have already established a peer mentoring award, which seems to fit nicely the, the criteria, the, the roles that we've identified seem to fit the criteria for that award really well. So those students may be able to, in the future, apply for that award. But the the PASS students, those are the ones, the students that aren't employed by CAS, but they run these weekly sessions. They will get a HEAR award at the moment, which is a higher achievement, higher education achievement recognition, or I think something like that. So they'll get a, a, an award for their participation in peer mentoring. And we're also looking at, I should say, I don't know um, where this is at at the moment, but we're looking at incorporating an Institute of Leadership and Management Award uh, for those students who are doing the peer assisted study skill sessions. All excellent, really, to go on their CV, you know. It- it just amazes me when students often see their 
their university experience that is the degree at the end is, is the, the, the thing, but they can get so much more from doing courses like you're providing and then get so much more out of their degree then because they've got a better understanding of, of what each of these components actually mean. And that collaboration too, I suspect, you know, they're collaborating with um, other students from all over the place that they may well have never met if they hadn't got together in that sort of environment. Yeah, absolutely. As as Stuart said before, I was a student here at Swansea 20 years ago. And, you know, if I could go back in time and, and give myself some advice, it would be to try to develop these kinds of skills. I really believe in the, you know, how, how much extra they can add to the experience. I always thought I was a good writer at the university. And I look back at the writing that I submitted as an undergraduate student, and it makes me cringe because I think, I would never have sought out the support because I thought I, I thought I had it. I thought I knew what I was doing, but I, I think it's really important to acknowledge that you never get to a point where there you go, you can do it now. It's always you can always improve and you can always uh, develop. So I think that that has really become clear to me since I've been working here. There's not an end point. Yeah, that's interesting though. So how do we reach those students, the students like you, the students who don't really think they need any help? I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully they listen to the podcast. Excellent. Okay, well, you've already sort of partially answered one of the questions I was going to ask, ask you, Pete, which was whether you work more as a standalone unit or do you tend to work collaboratively uh, across the institution? And what you've been talking about already has kind of shown how you try to get enmeshed within courses within academic faculty, you work with other professional services. So there's, there's definitely large elements of collaborative work from CAS and various different aspects of the university. Where, where do you see the big advantages for you in, in doing that, working collaboratively rather than just sort of trying to get a hold of students who need help and sitting them in a room somewhere and giving them you know, what help they need with writing or whatever it is? Well, it really is an interesting question. And I, my, my answer is really skewed by my own perception. As a student who may not have engaged with, with an equivalent of CAS, I think that collaborative work really legitimises the, the work that we do. So if we're timetabled in, in a programme and we are uh, delivering a session that's clearly aligned with the outcomes of a particular module, the students can see the relevance of the work that we're delivering. And they can see that the, the, the presence of the lecturer or the, the presence of a timetabled slot for them, it, it just does, goes a long way in legitimizing what we do and situating it in terms of relevance contextually and, and temporarily. So I think that's a big advantage. As well as that, the more that we deliver in collaboration, the more that we get the word out there about what we offer. So more and more lecturers will, and, and students and uh, other support staff will learn about what we do and they'll be able to signpost more effectively to their friends, to uh, their mentees or to uh, their colleagues. Well, you know, CAS might be able to do a session on this. Why don't you ask them about that? So I think that there are a couple of advantages, but legitimacy and marketing primarily. Yeah, and some obvious advantages then from the other side of the bench for academics who hopefully at least uh, will have, you know, a crop of students with improving and improving writing skills and ways of 
of answering the, the assessments or whatever it is that the faculty is asking them to do. So sort of leading on from that then, if there are academics or staff members out within the institution who would like to get in touch about opportunities for collaboration, what's the best way for them to go about sort of kicking off those sort of conversations, Pete? Well, either the email or the website at the moment. If you if you look on our website, which uh, I guess we can share the address, can we, alongside the, the podcast, there's a section on the website that has a form, an expression of interest form for programme directors or module conveners who might want to embed some skills alongside a module that they think the students could benefit from learning particular skills of. So that we have a, a section of the website which is dedicated to that embedding skills program. So I'd say that that'd be the first port of call, have a look at the website. In addition to that, we have an email address, which is the academic success at swansea.ac.uk. And if anybody had any uh, questions or ideas for how we could collaborate or the kinds of provision that we could provide, I'd say to to email that in the first, first instance. Can I just ask a question about the website? The website looks amazing and it's really impressive. And I noticed, and I'm a bit of a bloggy, a podcasty person, as, as you've probably gathered, but I noticed you've got a blog, but I noticed it's, a, it's, it's closed. I just thought, I wondered if there would be an opportunity or you'd thought about it and decided against having a, a place where students could add comments to the blog or, or even contribute to, to the blog. I didn't actually know it was closed, Mandy. <laughs> um, I think it'd be a really good idea to encourage comments. So it's something we should look into and certainly contributing to the blog, maybe maybe posting to it. I think that would be a really good future direction for us in the spirit of collaboration and all of those benefits that it can bring. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was thinking. And it, it is a fabulous resource in itself. Um, it's an amazing website. I think you've really done well with it. Thanks. I'd like to take credit, but it's my colleagues, Fran and Alex, who have done that. Brilliant. Right. I, I was sort of uh, thinking about this uh, earlier on uh, when I sat trying to think about what, what might be good things to talk about over, the, over this uh, conversation, particularly when you're looking to support students, which normally is quite an intimate or often quite an intimate kind of process and would usually be done face to face. You must have faced some real challenges going into all of the sort of chaos produced by the, the COVID pandemic. Have there been any particular challenges which, which you've had to face and, you know, what sort of things that you've had to face and things that you've managed to work out good solutions to? How have you managed to get past some of the problems that have been thrown up over the last 18 months or so? I think it came a bit of a surprise when uh, we were to shift all of our teaching to online only particularly as most of our sessions tend to be really participative, if, if that's the correct word, uh, but they're, they're very active and there's a lot of workshoppy type of elements to them. So they didn't obviously translate into, into this kind of asynchronous or this Zoom setting. So the main challenge, I think, was trying to rework a lot of our activities so that they would be as useful and as interesting as they would have been if they had been delivered face to face. But as I've said before, the staff are really forward thinking and dynamic and we've got 
breakout rooms on Zoom and polls and quizzes and uh, these kinds of uh, things. So I think people adapted to it very quickly within a week or two, all of our courses were running as though they'd been online forever. And actually we saw really interesting thing that our numbers significantly increased through online delivery. We're reaching uh, several hundreds more students than they were we were the year previously when we were delivered face to face. I'm not sure if that answers your question. Completely, no, it, it, it really, it, really, no, it, it does entirely. I mean, obviously, as I say, you know, you're very used to working in a face-to-face environment, and literally overnight, really, everything had to change, and we've we've all had different aspects that may have been problematic, depending what it is that our role has been in the institution. Have there been any aspects, maybe, then, of this change? which you've seen as beneficial both for the teachers and the learners, that would be the kind of practices uh, maybe that you'd like to see the unit holding on to going forwards, even as and when sort of all of this is a a dim and distant memory. What what would you like to keep? Well, Uh, several aspects, I think. Uh, Several aspects have been really, from a staff perspective, I think that most of the staff would argue that the flexibility afforded by a more, what's the word that's used, a blended approach, has been really beneficial to staff well-being. And I think that from a student perspective, some students, uh, I think of the paramedics or the nursing students, or maybe the engineering students, who typically have very full timetables. And they might, nurses, for example, might be on placement. So actually getting onto campus to attend a session on academic writing was always a bit of an effort for students from certain programs. And moving some of our provision online has meant that those kind of students that typically we wouldn't have reached or they wouldn't have the time to attend some of our courses have been able to. And because we've been recording the sessions and we've been developing asynchronous e-learning resources alongside our courses, students now have several opportunities to engage with us. From next term, that could be a face-to-face setting perhaps on campus but it could also that could also be uh, an asynchronous standalone e-learning uh, module on critical thinking which we didn't have before the pandemic hit and we've got all of our flagship courses that's academic writing critical thinking uh, grammar these kind of courses we all have an asynchronous we have an asynchronous option for the students who don't want to attend even a live Zoom session, they could just dip in and out of a resource as they see fit and and engage with certain points of critical thought, let's say, or of public speaking. So I think that there are some benefits to what we've been able to do in terms of reaching more and more students that we typically wouldn't have reached, but also developing our resource so that we have a variety of different ways in which this similar kinds of information are presented so it's actually more inclusive because uh, as we know students like to learn in different ways and by presenting this these uh, variety of options we give more opportunities for engagement yeah that that's excellent and i think it's really important that we acknowledge that 
you know, at different times of the day, different feelings that you've got, you know, you might want to just listen to a, a video recording, make notes, or you might actually want to engage with somebody and have a proper conversation. So the fact that you've got all these opportunities is, you know, I mean, our students are really lucky, I think, in Swansea. I'm sure a lot, most other universities do do a similar thing, but I think you've what you've developed here, this programme that you've developed is, you know, it's really progressive and, and it's really good to see that you're capitalising on on this awful pandemic issue that that's thrown at us and the fact that you've made it you've turned it out for the best really you know it's, it's, it's all credit to the department it well it had been in the plans that we've been discussing for several years we were all acutely aware that in order to meet the, the demands that would be on a relatively small staff group in in being able to reach the the diverse group of students that we have at Swansea we were a limited resource and there's only so many hours in the day. So we knew that we would have to develop more and more of an online uh, presence, that is asynchronous resources or recorded sessions, as well as these face-to-face -face sessions. But the pandemic forced our hand. So we were doing it, but we were doing it when we had an opportunity to do it. So it, was, it wasn't a priority, which was seeing students face-to-face. -face. So now we've it sort of forced us to... to jumping at the deep end and I'm really glad that we have because like I say the the numbers of students that we've been able to see and help over the last couple of years have, have dramatically increased. Yes, brilliant, well done. Okay and, and another thing that we've been hearing rumours of recently Pete is a project that you guys have kicked off using QuickMarks in Turnitin maybe to well, it, it, it is helping students, obviously, but also helping academics with when it comes to providing feedback. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, it's an idea that I had a few years ago. I remember having a chat with you. If, I don't know how long ago it was, Stuart, originally, but we'd had an idea four or five years ago, maybe, maybe more, I can't remember. We had an idea that I guess part of the issue is that sometimes it's not easy for a student to link a comment given in their feedback from their lecturer to a practical guide on how to address the issue that's been identified in the comment. So in order to sort of close that gap, we thought that we could use a, a, a grade mark, a marking grid, where markers would drag and drop particular comments, let's say the, your essay structure needs work, or this is a clumsy expression, or uh, you should work on your punctuation, or whatever the comment might be related to. We wanted to embed in that comment a link to a very specific part of our online provision so that it closed that feedback loop for the student to, to some degree in that it pointed them to a particular resource that would help with structure if that had been identified as needing addressing. So yeah, we were in a trial stage of it at the moment. It is up and running as a as a thing. And we were hoping that some interested markers will start using it and, and we can develop it and, and keep adding to it and tweaking it. So how, how, do, how do people actually <laughs> get involved with that, Pete? Where, where, do they have to come to you to ask or is it just available within the system? How, how do they use it? I think that it's available within the system, but I, I, again, this sort of first port of call for anybody listening that would be interested in that would be to email the academic success mailbox 
and I can send through the instructions for how to how to bring up that particular grade mark applet. I guess it's an applet, is it? I'd love to have a go. I've still got some marking to do in January, so I will take you up on that. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, um, like I say, it's 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 in an embryonic stage at the moment, so we're really keen to develop it to make it as useful as it can be for staff and students, and hopefully it it goes some way to helping students fix the issues identified in their feedback. Yeah, I believe actually, in fact, that it's already been added to everybody's account, whether they have to do anything to enable it. But if they go into their quick marks on Turnitin, there should be a specific set. I don't know what it's been termed, named, but that's got academic success comments already set up within it. Oh, fantastic. Are there any other sort of facets of classes work which you feel maybe less obvious to people around campus or uh, maybe just uh, are underused but you think should be more valued which it might help people to know a bit more about or, or where to find them yeah well I think that um, increasingly we've seen a, a demand partly driven by marketing and partly driven um, by admissions in the perceived skills needs of of new students who are going to be joining the university, particularly last this September and, and next September. So in line with these perceived skills deficits for these sixth form students who would be attending university for the first time, September just gone, we offered a series of workshops tailored specifically for the skills of, of these students to help them bridge the gap from A-level study or the sixth form college study to university study. So we we did a workshop called Welcome to University, which was delivered via Zoom. And I think that we had thousands actually of signups to that. And what we did is deliver then sort of the top tips for strategies for being a successful student, how to manage your time, how to uh, take effective notes, how to do X, Y, and Z. And we had different speakers from uh, different parts of student services, so money support, welfare, so on, and the library, who gave a brief talk, sort of an induction type talk to their areas as well. So we'd been targeting students who were about to join Swansea with these sessions. But in addition to that, we, we also did some resources for sixth form students who hadn't committed to Swansea University or even to university. We did a, a series, and we want to continue doing a series of workshops and events to help students understand what kind of skills are required for success at university and to help them feel a bit more confident that some of the skills that they may have already developed and not identified might be really useful for that kind of independent learning that they would be expected to undertake at uni. So, yeah, a lot of the pre-university stuff, we've been doing a lot more of that than we ever had before. And I see that that's something that we could probably do more of. My own experience is that I, one of my younger brothers has recently applied to university and was writing a personal statement. And he said, I haven't got a clue what, what I'm doing. Can you give me any advice? And I didn't have a clue either. So I think that there are opportunities there for collaborative working again I know that C uh, not C one of the departments in the university have a, uh, a section on how to write a personal statement which looks really good but I think that that's something that maybe we could collaborate with different 
elements of the university, maybe the different academies, into delivering tailored resources for students who might not be university students yet and may never be Swansea students, but just to help uh, identify and bridge those skills gaps. That's oh, a lovely idea, Peter. It really sort of uh, opens up and gives education more of a community feel. And it's in these days where so much of what we do is more pitched in terms of the battle between different institutions for students or, or what have you. It's one of the things that I've really valued working in is sort of the, the LNT support side where people are less fixed in that and they, they do try to collaborate and share ideas. Uh, so many conferences or seminars that are put on by particular institutions that they're quite happy for people from outside to join in and share with. And it's very much been about Again, it's been sort of boosted by the pandemic, very much been about sharing of experiences and how do we, how do we make things well, better for, for, the, for the betterance of all rather than just, just Swansea, although be it useful within Swansea too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that move away, if there ever was an element of tribalism or maximalism, the move away from that is only, it's beneficial for everybody, isn't it, I think? Um, I, definitely, yes. I, I do think so. I think we, we so much of the time trip ourselves up by trying to pitch battle when we should be trying to collaborate and join yeah. forces. And it's just saves so much work and effort for everybody if you're all just sharing practice. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, thanks a lot for that, Pete. That, that's it's been, an amazing, uh, been amazing to listen to you and to listen to what Cass can offer Swansea University students, staff and those anybody who would like to join a university course but uh, yeah so we we we'd just like to round up with a fun a couple of fun questions actually so i'll start off if you could take yourself back to any point in time and you sort of mentioned hinted towards that what 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 historical event would you like to to be part of if you could go back anywhere in time wow i've never been asked that let me have a think for a minute anywhere in time I'd probably go back to the start of time, because imagine having the answer to that. What was there at the Big Bang? I'd be I'd be very wealthy and revered, I'm sure, with an answer like that. I don't know. Maybe the start. Nice. That's a boring answer. I probably could think of it. But yeah, maybe um, maybe I'd attend a I don't know a concert when I was way too young to attend it. You know, I'd go and see Pink Floyd in their prime or something like that. Yeah, I'd like to, if I was going to go back anywhere, I'd still want to know all I know now. So going back in time is one thing, isn't it? But having that knowledge that you've already developed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with the predictions of the future that you could do, you could be like a, a Nostradamus type figure, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Stu? Okay. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe a question I could ask you, given that we started off talking about the undergraduate course you did was in media and really very unrelated to where you've ended up. Mm. in many ways if you hadn't gone into this line of work what might you have done otherwise conceivably your, your sort of fantasy job or or what have you what, what might have floated your boat I don't know I've always been interested in the law a lot of my family are solicitors and attorneys of one form or another so I think that that probably would have presented as a more and more attractive opportunity but yeah it didn't it didn't go that way for me. So I think maybe, despite not doing a degree in law, I did actually uh, go and see the head of law in my second year to see if I could transfer to law. 
but he wanted me to start from the first year again and I didn't want to go back a year. So yeah, maybe something to do with, with the law. That's interesting. All right, so what is your most use, used device, not your phone? Is, have you got anything else, another another device or anything technical? Uh, yeah, my, I mean, most used device is a, this I, a tablet that I have, which controls. I mean, I'm really, I'm really interested in surveillance, corporate surveillance. My PhD is on the topic of corporate surveillance, and I'm very... I'm very loath to install any apps on my phone because I've, I'm almost tin hat wearing about the, the data that, that these companies are gleaning off my use of their devices. But this tablet I use to control the lights in my fish tank. I use it to control the speakers in my house. Um, so I've got a partially smart home, but my fish have smart lights, but I don't. And then I have speakers. So my most used device is this, turning music on when I'm not teaching or not... Um, having a meeting and then turning the fish lights up and down when it's when it's dark enough to see the different colors brilliant thank you oh, it's been lo lovely to speak to you pete uh, it's been really interesting chat i've certainly learned a whole lot more and i thought out of people around the institution maybe i already knew a little bit about cas but i've certainly learned a whole lot more through this discussion today I really look forward to seeing A, how your Turnitin project goes and B, how uh, all these other collaborations and changes that you've been undergoing recently all turn out for you. And thank you very much for, for coming along today. Yeah. Absolute pleasure. Thanks both. Yeah. Thanks, Pete. Nice to meet you. Bye. 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 Bye.